The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm so happy to be back with you live. And thank each one of you who has stood with me while I've been out of town. I've taken three weeks. I needed that time to pray and to do some things that the Lord asked me to do. I was able to visit and pray with my brother and sister-in-law, their precious family members to me in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho area. Please pray for my brother. He's in intense pain uh, with nerves. I won't talk about what all's going on, but I'm just standing by faith that he is healed in the name of Jesus. Now, I'd love to spend quite a bit of time talking about all the things that God did on this trip as we fasted and prayed and talked with one another. But my heart is so filled with urgency regarding what's happening in our country and what's happening in the church. I have to address that from the scriptures. My heart has been in intense pain, crying out to the Lord. There have been a few times in earth's history similar to where we now stand. Noah preached for 200 years. No one believed him, but he built the boat, the ark. He took the animals in, he took his family in, but no one else wanted to join him, and so they died. One day it began to rain. And the great flood happened that totally wiped out the whole earth. And then we have the children of Israel. They're in bitter slavery. God heard their cry. He had held Moses in time out for years, 40 years. He sent him now back to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel. And with a mighty hand and miracles, he led the children of Israel out of the most powerful nation in the world, defeating them with miracles from the hand of God. He established his people in the promised land. He delivered them from every enemy. He established them in righteousness. They were his They were his people. And then there were other great events that have transpired in our history. The founding of America out of the preaching of a godly preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards as the first great awakening came and people began to repent and sigh and cry and sob and totally purify their lives by the blood of Jesus before Almighty God, preparing the way for the coming revolution with England, as opposed to what happened in France, which was a godly, an ungodly revolution. The guillotine. But in America, men and women stood in the blood of Jesus and rebelled against England and were set free by the hand of God Valley Forge and other great movements 
God delivered the American people and established a a nation that would be the light on the hill, that would send missionaries all over the world who would finance the work of the gospel. Christianity was the glue that held the American Constitution together and held America together. Today, that glue has dissolved in wickedness. And then the first and second great wars. And wickedness increased in America. We were fat and happy, self-sufficient, feeling entitled, thinking we were better than the other nations. We were not. We are not any better than any of the other nations. Anything that arises in righteousness in America is out of the hand of God. It is a gift of God to us. It is not because we're smarter. It's not because we work harder. It's because the gospel of Jesus Christ taught us how to walk in righteousness and holiness. And now we come to the opening of the seals of Revelation. And wickedness abounds in our nation. Now, you may not understand what I'm going to say to you, but please, if you respect at all the word of a pastor, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it plainly and bluntly. America is headed into a catastrophic devastation. And we have brought it on ourselves, and it has come largely because the Christian church and the pastors stopped preaching the true gospel of Jesus and led the people of America into such wickedness and ungodliness. Jonathan Edwards was a Calvinist. But he believed, as John Calvin did, that you cannot separate justification and sanctification. In that day, they taught that if a man left holiness, it was because they were not saved. But today, our modern teachers, all but me on this radio station and on the FM dial, all teach that you can continue to walk in your sin and still be saved. And that has opened the door for every ungodly thing to enter into the church. And today the church has become an institutional business filled with wickedness, filled with darkness. So I say to you today, we are facing famine. We've had the pandemic We've had the jabs. We've had the air sprayed with aluminum and other ungodly things. We've had our water corrupted with fluoride. We have a modern government that is utterly corrupt. And we have churches that are utterly corrupt. It is very difficult today to find a church that will preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of all of these things, 
there is going to soon be famine in our land, and men and women are going to have to leave their homes. There will be millions of homes in America empty and on the market because people cannot afford to keep them because of taxes, because of mortgage payments. We have thought that everything would continue as it is now, but it will not. We are facing a historic devastation as when the Roman Empire fell. And death will ride through America. Destruction is coming upon this nation. Our pastors have failed us. Our government has failed us. Our institutions have become corrupt and wicked and evil. Now, if you're honest with me, you know that I'm speaking the truth. It gives me no pleasure to say this to you. But we now have only one place to turn. And that is Jesus Christ. And I come preaching to you a message of repentance. A voice crying in the wilderness. Many will not listen. Many will get angry. But it is time for us, each one, to deal honestly with our lives and every area of darkness and wickedness. It's time to purify our hearts by the blood of Jesus Christ and to return to the ancient gospel as it was found in the scriptures without modern preachers twisting, abusing, changing the old gospel message of repentance and returning to holiness. It's our only hope. It's the only hope America has. I fear, however, that judgments now have been declared upon our nation, and the rod of God's anger is going to come down on this nation. And you need to be prepared spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, because many will die. Many will turn in bitterness and anger and rage and violence. I take you now to the third chapter of the book of Luke. I'll begin reading for you in the second verse. This is Luke 3, verse 2. At the time of the high priest, Annas and Caiaphas, a word from God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. Now, you'll not understand the message of John the Baptist unless you have some small understanding of where he's coming from. There were three powerful parties in that day in Israel. One, the Sadducees. They did not believe in the resurrection. They were worldly-minded, and they were businessmen. The second group were the Pharisees. And most of what we know 
in history about the Jewish people at that time we find coming from the Pharisees. Now, we also have Josephus, who wrote as he saw. But there was a third party, and they were called the Essenes. There is more and more evidence as the Qumran caves are searched, and as the documents become available, first was published the fragments and the portions of the Old Testament books like Isaiah, proving the authenticity of Isaiah that we have today. They're almost identical. And now they're beginning to publish the the histories, the, the theology. The Essenes essentially prophesied some 200 years before Jesus when he would come, what he would do that he would be God, and that he would come and die, and they gave the date that he would die on the cross, and that he would redeem both Jews and Gentiles by his blood as the sacrificial atonement of the Father. These Essenes essentially disappeared after the time of Jesus because they all became Christians. They held Christian theology before there were Christians. Now, there's a great deal of evidence that John the Baptist lived among the Essenes in the desert. John the Baptist was not raised in the culture of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was raised in the culture and the belief and the discipline of the righteous Essenes. And so John the Baptist is waiting in his desert community where they spent time fasting and praying and searching after the truth of the Messiah. Then the word of God came to this man, John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. And he went to all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for a removal of sins. That word, removal, you may find in the NIV as for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there's difficulty with that because if if forgiveness is simply a legal process where if you wrong me and I say to you, I forgive you, I have released you, but I have not changed you. You can go to another person and borrow money from them and cheat that person just as you cheated me. That's why it's necessary to understand this Greek word, aphemy, from which is translated in the NIV, the forgiveness of sins. It is literally not the forgiveness, it is the removal of sins. So when God forgives you, when he aphemies you, when he removes your sin, you are transformed into a new creature, into a new person. You are not left in the old. Now, here's the difficulty. 
most of us growing up in the American church also grew up in the American culture, a culture of refinement and money and provision, a culture of entitlement, a culture of independence, a culture of pride and arrogance and hardness of heart. In that culture, we have accepted the institutional church, but we've not been transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We have simply adopted some strategies to make our lives better. So when some of you became Christian, you laid aside the alcohol, you laid aside the fornication, you laid aside certain sins that you knew were destructive. But someone who is not a born-again Christian can do all of the same through human effort. Many times a, a man will leave his alcoholism but he's not received Jesus Christ. Or a man can make a decision that fornication is going to destroy his marriage, and he will leave his fornication, and he will walk straight. But he's not saved. He's not been transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He's just a better American. And many of you are just better Americans, but you have never gone to the bottom and cried out to the Lord until all sin is removed from your heart and all darkness and wickedness has been dealt with and you are now transformed, you are made into a new creature. You're the same old, same old. And so many of you are happy going to a church where there's a little entertainment, a little emotionalism, a little honest teaching of doctrine, but no death and resurrection. That's what the Lord has said to me. My church is dead. It doesn't need revival so much as it needs resurrection. Now, I know many of you would say, I love Jesus, and and you would be truthful in that. You do love Jesus. But if it's a sentimental love, if it's a a love of the idea, if it's an understanding of certain doctrine, but you yourself still have a wicked, evil heart, you cannot be saved. If you're still walking in known rebellion and sin against the Lord, you cannot enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you that in Colossians this week. John came preaching not a baptism of imputed grace. He came preaching repentance, which is turning away totally. A change in course, a change of direction. It is a removal of all of your sin. As it stands written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, a voice of one crying out in the desert, you must prepare the way of the Lord. 
You must make his paths straight. Every ravine will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be leveled off. And the crooked will be made into a a straight path. And the rough roads as smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of our God. Now, please let's understand what he's saying. There's a voice of one crying out in the desert, saying, you must prepare the way of the Lord. How do you prepare the way of the Lord? Well, all of your paths have to be made straight, not crooked. Some of you have very crooked paths. You're still lying. You're still seduced by the world. You still want the things of the world. As one man said to me, he was a Hindu, he became a Christian. Ten years ago. But he came very discouraged recently and went off to the old nightclub again. Why? Because in his heart he enjoys the music and the atmosphere of the nightclub. He enjoys watching the women dance. He enjoys the sexual gratification even enjoys hooking up for one night. Why? Because there yet remains in his heart a love of the world. There yet remains an attraction in his heart for wickedness. It says, every ravine will be filled. That is, every place in your heart where you still love the world, the flesh, or the devil, where you still think you're entitled, where you still think you can make it, okay, you can be righteous, you can go to heaven because Jesus paid the price on Calvary, and he did pay the price on Calvary, but he did not forgive you for all of your future sins or present sins. He forgave you for your past sins when you received Jesus Christ. But now there is a salvation to work out with fear and trembling before him. And there is a finished work that must be done in your life. Every ravine will be filled. That is, every Every empty place has to be filled, not with the works of the devil, not with your lust for money. I'm so troubled by some of you. You find it hard to give for the work of the gospel because you lust after your money. You think your security is found in your resources, in your money, in your credit cards. Every mountain and hill will be leveled off. That is... Everything that you've built up in your heart, everything you've built up in your life, your entertainment, your lust after the things of darkness, your lust for the television, your lust for the internet, your lust for your cell phone. These are mountains in your life that block you from the way of the cross. And you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit level you off. Send the bulldozer in. The crooked will be made into a straight path. Please hear me. As we face this intense destruction 
in America. God wants men and women who will allow him to make their paths straight as an arrow. Remember Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan. How do we know the right path? It's the narrow path. It's the straight path. It's the hard path. Let's not play games. It's not easy to be a Christian in the wicked culture in which we dwell. It means you have to stand up on your feet and say, I will serve Jesus Christ, and I will not sin against him by the power of the atoning blood of Jesus. I am finished with my sin. The rough roads have to be smoothed out. Your life is going to have to be smoothed out by the gospel of Jesus as you submit and die to your sin. I was talking with a pastor of a of a large church in the West. An Assemblies of God church. And he told me he had scheduled a revivalist to come in and hold meetings in his church. And then he said, but I told him, don't make an altar call for the people of the church. They're all saved. Make an altar call for that person who might be attending who is still a sinner before God. I cringed. I knew some of the people already in that church. I had talked with quite a number. And I know that they live their life like modern Americans with a maybe a little bit of improvement not doing the gross sins, but utterly taken by the wickedness of the entertainment, spending hours in front of the TV, spending hours seeking their own pleasure, hours enjoying American normal life. Can I tell you, that pastor is going to be utterly stunned when he discovers that almost his entire church is lost and hell-bound And that's true for most of the American church. Let's be honest. I'm not going to pull punches. The American church today doesn't like to go to the prayer meeting. They don't like to cry out to the Lord to forgive their sins. They don't admit they have sins. They believe that it is imputed grace that has covered them. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. There is no such thing as imputed grace in the scriptures. It's imparted grace. It's by faith. It's a work God does in us and for us. It's not by works. It's by faith. But it is a completed work he must do in us. For we must be a bride without spot or wrinkle. That's not going to happen when you die. It has to happen on this side of eternity. If you wait until the other side of eternity, you're going to be desperately disappointed and raging angry at the pastors who taught you that lie. Now, it goes on. Now he was saying to the multitudes coming out to be baptized by him. Remember, these are, these are normal Jewish people. These are people who attend synagogue. These are people who are very religious. 
they come out to him to be baptized by him. And he says to them, O offspring of snakes. He considered the religion of the Pharisee and the Sadducee to be of the serpent, the devil, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. In fact, you must produce fruit worthy of repentance. And may you not begin to say within yourselves, we have a father, Abraham. He's saying to them, look, you come out of a a culture of snakes. The modern church in America is a culture of snakes. It's a culture of wickedness and sin. It's not a culture of righteousness. The world scorns the church today. Non-Christians scorn the modern church. Why? Because they know it is an entertainment business. It's not a body of Christ. It's filled with wickedness and corruption, just like the world is. Don't say to yourself, oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Have you laid your life down for Jesus? Have you left your wickedness and your sin in America? Have you, have you left the culture of America and renounced the way of the world? And now do you live separate unto Jesus? When was the last time you spent a night in prayer? When was the last time you fasted for two or three days seeking the face of God? When was the last time you spent hours daily devouring the word of God instead of devouring the things of this world? I talked with one pastor and discovered he doesn't read. He doesn't read the the word. He finds his sermons in the Reader's Digest or some other pleasant place. He has a little Bible lesson. He goes to the commentaries and every source, but he doesn't preach the word of God because he doesn't live in the word of God. It grieved my heart. I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham out of these stones. Can I tell you this? God is going to raise up the final church primarily out of pagan people who finally say, this is real, and I'd better get serious about Jesus, and I'd better stop compromising with my flesh. Now, there will be some Christians who will also make that decision, but most have been so vaccinated against the gospel of Christ that they will never change. Verse 9 is a terrifying verse. Now, please understand, I'm not preaching Ray Greenlee's theology. Just read the plain word of Scripture for what it says, what it actually says. It says, and even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. You're the tree. The axe of God's judgment is at the root of your life right now, and destruction is coming upon America, whether it comes by famine, whether it comes by 
a nuclear bomb, whether it comes by a poison pestilence, all of these things are released in the the book of Revelation. None of this is a surprise to us. The surprise is it's happening in our life. It's happening in our time. You are living at the end of the age of the world. And Jesus is coming. And we have to get ready for Jesus to come. Do you understand? You need to get in the Bible and begin to read from Genesis through Revelation. Time after time, eat the word, grow. I know Christians who only know what they've heard the preachers say, and they've been told lies. And then some Christians have withdrawn from the modern church, but they have not gone deeply into the scriptures, and so they have shallow roots. And the trouble that is coming right now upon America is so intense. It is so filled with anguish and pain that you will not be able to stand up against it if you are not filled with the word of God, if you have not tested the promises of God, if you have not separated yourself from wickedness. Get rid of the television. Get it out of your home. I wouldn't have one in my house. Turn away from your lovely cell phone. Turn away from your internet. Search after Jesus. Read the scriptures. Feast on the body of Jesus. Don't trust in the rituals of Easter, Ishtar, the fertility goddess of the pagans. Are you kidding me? One mother last Thursday One mother of a student in a school in Austin, Texas, dressed up in a a Bugs Bunny outfit and with the Easter basket filled with plastic eggs, some filled with candy, but others filled with condoms, went to the elementary school and began to hand them out freely to the students. The principal was shocked and after discovering what she was doing, ordered her to leave the school premises. So she did. And she went and stood on the sidewalk, in a public sidewalk, and handed out the the condoms to the children. Such evil, demonic destruction coming upon America. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. The axe is at the root of America. And America is going to cease to be. It will break apart. It will be filled with death and famine. It will be filled with men and women who can no longer afford their homes. They're on Social Security or a fixed income. And they won't be able to afford the taxes as the inflation ramps up. Do you see it coming? The gasoline... I paid almost as much for gasoline as I did for hotels on this trip to the West Coast. You see what's coming in the prices in the grocery store? As one man said, watch a can of tuna is going to finally be $25. You better buy tuna now. 
while you can still afford it. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I know it's happened in other nations, Argentina, Venezuela, and other nations it's happened. It's coming to America. It is God's judgment. The acts of God's judgment is at the root of the tree in America. Now, you can go down with the burning ship. You can lose your job. You can lose your apartment or house, car. The market's going to be flooded with cheap cars and cheap houses because people have to dump them. Every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is what is now rushing upon America. America is going to be cut down if it does not repent. And I mean really repent and leave unrighteousness and wickedness and godliness, ungodliness, to leave it behind. God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy and redemption and love. And God loves you. Not unconditionally, however. There is nowhere in the scriptures that we are taught unconditional love. That's a modern church lie. We are told in the scriptures that God's love is unfailing. But it is unfailing to the man or the woman who recognizes that the axe is at the root of their life and they're going to be chopped down and destroyed if they don't repent, if they don't turn from their wicked ways. Now, I want to be very transparent and very honest with you. I still find, at times, areas of my heart that want to lean toward the ways of darkness. I am praying through until even those leanings are utterly removed from my life. I must be entirely sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit and power. I've spent much time praying about this broadcast, fasting about this broadcast. I know you will go no higher than the preaching you hear. I'm calling you to join together with me in totally renouncing the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I want to share what's on my heart. I know this message of rebuke, this message of holiness, this call to repentance must go across this nation before this judgment comes in full power and destroys this country. If that's going to happen... I'm asking the Lord to lift up men and women who will say, yes, pastor, no matter what it costs, we will sell that property, we will sell that house, we will give up those investments because they will soon be worthless. And we want you to go national on radio. Please pray about that. 
I know that many of you have the capacity right now to make that happen. It will cost a million dollars. That's what I've been told by Salem Broadcasting. We need to be in every major city and many other places as well. We need a national proclamation calling for revival and reformation and resurrection. I make no apologies for this broadcast. I make no apology for saying the gospel of Jesus Christ costs a lot of money to proclaim. This month's radio bill is almost $4,000, just a few dollars short. We're still $2,000 short of being able to pay that radio bill for this month. I know Jesus will provide. I know you all have been utterly faithful time after time in your giving, and I thank you. But we need to go much further. This gospel message of righteousness and holiness needs to be broadcast across this nation in a confrontation and a call to men and women to repent. I believe that's what Jesus is calling for. But I know it's going to mean men and women are going to have to stand up with me and say, yes, pastor, we've listened to this message of holiness. Our lives have been transformed, and now we're going to lay our life down with you. Everything I have, I'm put into this. I have no retirement. My retirement is in the New Jerusalem. I'm not going to retire and pull away from the proclamation of the gospel. I can't. It's in me like fire in my bones. So if you'd like to help and you'd like to talk with me about it, please call me. I'm going to give you my personal cell number. If you feel the same urgency that I feel and you want to help make this happen, whether it's with $100 or a million dollars, and you need to talk to me about it, then call me and let's talk and pray. My phone number is 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. I know that many of you have the capacity to help make this happen. I'm now challenging you to step forward and lay your life on the line with me to confront America with its wickedness, with a call to holiness. Tomorrow I'm going to continue this. We're going to go into the book of Colossians. I urge you to read that book between now and tomorrow, the entire book, yes. We'll go a little further in Luke, the third chapter, with John the Baptist, and into the into the words of Jesus. I'd like to hear from you. You can go on the internet and give online, and I thank each one of you who has. Five minutes. 703-489-1785, or go to the internet, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel, one word, dot com, or... You're welcome to write to me. I'd love to hear from you. 
I have a whole host of letters from this month already building up toward being able to pay the full amount for radio for this month. Write to Pastor Ray Greenley. Make your check out to National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I come to you straight up and say, if you believe that this message needs to continue in the Washington market, then give to help cover the cost of that. If you believe that we need to go national, then let me hear from you. Some of you have been stacking gold and silver, and I'm proud of you for doing that. That's necessary for what's coming, but part of that you can share with Jesus Christ for the work of his gospel. Some of you have lands and properties and investments that soon will be worth nothing. Give as the Lord directs you. Don't give because Pastor Ray asks you. Give because you have gone to Jesus and he's confirmed this word of holiness for America. And you see that America is going to be destroyed if we don't do something radical to confront the wickedness of this nation and the church. So I'd like to hear from you. And I am so happy to be back live with you. I want to pray with you. Lord, I have faithfully spoken the word that you have put on my heart, and I will continue all week. I ask you to move in the hearts of those who listen, that if there's any uncleanness in their heart, if there's any leaning toward darkness, that you would sanctify your saints wholly and completely, that there would be no longer any spot or wrinkle, because we are on our way to heaven. Our home is in heaven with you, Jesus. And yes, there will be persecution and tribulation and death and famine, and destruction in this nation because of our wickedness. But I ask you to put a sheltering wing, a pasak, over the people of God and redeem us by your blood and fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, come, please. I praise your name. I worship you, Jesus. You alone are the Messiah the Holy One of God. And I worship you, Jesus. I love you with all my heart. And I pray that you will call your people out of any darkness they live in, any discouragement, any wickedness, any pain and anguish in their hearts. Would you meet them? Would you come with healing in your wings, Jesus? I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll be praying for you. I'll be talking with the Lord. And I'll come back and I'll preach this straight word out of the scriptures again tomorrow and call you to unselfishly give for the work of the gospel before it all disappears. 
before utter destruction comes on our nation. There is yet time if we quickly step forward to give a message to America. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with grace.